We're going to look at something together tonight in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. In reading the Old Testament, let's be honest now, there are passages we either skip altogether or we read through them quickly. We browse them with little attention. And one such example in the Old Testament would be those passages that contain genealogies. It seems to us to be a dry list of names of dead people. We do not find exciting or dramatic or interesting at all. Even if we know that these records had valuable purposes for the Jewish nation, and even when we admit further that for purposes of chronology, these lists can be useful and they become part of the evidence of Jesus as the Messiah referred to in the New Testament in Matthew and Luke. Still, in our private readings of the Bible, our daily Bible reading, there is a rather common tendency to be bored by or to browse or skip altogether the verse after verse names and family records. Periodically though, Embedded within those, there are some treasures. We discover some sort of a welcomed oasis in the desert in some of these. In the middle of some of these lists of names, something stands out, captures your attention. We're going to look now at First Chronicles chapter 4. And from verse 1 down through verse 8, uh, you have the typical genealogical record. So-and-so, the son of so-and-so. Names we do not recognize, we find difficult to pronounce, separated only by commas in most of these verses. But then there's this. In 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brother's and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. We cannot reason from this that every other person named in the chapter had no redeeming value or displayed no good character or did not appeal to God. We can be certain, however, that this is an example of a man who was noted for the attention that he gave to God and that the attention that he gave to his character because of his relationship with God. Did you know that there is no other mention of this man anywhere else in Scripture? Just in these two verses. A concordance study will yield no other passages anywhere that mention this man. This is it. Two verses about Jabez. 
And this is sometimes called the prayer of Jabez. Now, it would be legitimate and good for us to navigate into the text simply based on what it says about this man. But what I want us to do is after we make some initial observations about the text, we need to get to what it tells us about God. First, I need to deal with something within the prayer of Jabez. I need to deal with it very clearly. You may or may not be aware of this, but this particular prayer in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10, this passage was widely publicized a few years ago, and on social media sometimes it may come up, because there was a book that became popular in the religious community by the name of the prayer of Jabez. The book and the publicity surrounding the book generated a lot of attention to just one part of this prayer. And I believe out of all that attention to only one part of this prayer, a dangerous misconception was embraced and then promoted. In the prayer of Jabez, he said, Enlarge my territory. Maybe I should have enlarged the font, but what he said was, enlarge my territory. It has been argued that Jabez wanted more land and that he prayed for more land and God gave him more land, which would be a great material benefit, a significant financial advantage for this one man. And based on that idea, there is only a short step to claiming what many religious teachers call the law of prosperity and what has also been called the gospel of health and wealth. One of the most popular doctrines in modern religion is the promise that many preachers emphasize, made famous by television preachers, that if you believe in God and pray you can get out of debt, you can be free of health problems and become prosperous to the full extent of your dreams. As this doctrine is advanced, reference is often made to the prayer of Jabez. And the argument is, see, he prayed for real estate and he got real estate. And so therefore, why can't I pray for real estate and have God give me real estate? Let me say about this, you can pray to God about anything that is legitimate to have, but there is nothing in the Bible that guarantees prosperity. God will respond to our prayers according to his perfect wisdom and his view of our capacity and perhaps many other factors that we cannot even see or conceive, such as our brother mentioned in the prayer. But there is no guarantee of material prosperity. There is no assurance that if you pray for more land, you'll have more land. Jesus didn't have any land. Paul didn't have much at all, if any. Most of the disciples and apostles had very little and became destitute in their perseverance of faith. So don't let a charming television preacher tell you that there is some guarantee of prosperity and you ask God for land and he gives you land. Something else about all this. 
Regarding Abraham, Jabez, and the nation of Israel, it's important to understand God was doing something with them he's not doing with Christians today. That's very important. God was building a literal nation with an army and a treasury and a destiny. God was giving to that literal nation a literal land. And men like Jabez, who embraced the promises of Abraham, prayed with that perspective about God's use of them in that particular dispensation. They prayed with their focus on the nation and the land. Some of the statements in these prayers we read back in that dispensation pertain to those things that God was working out in his plan that came to fulfillment in Christ and the kingdom. So it's a mistake, I'm convinced, to take this single phrase from the prayer of Jabez and turn this into a promise of prosperity. We can pray about financial and material matters. I believe we should. But there's no guarantee that God will make us rich, materially speaking, or that we can command him to give us more things and prosper us materially above others. And really, our focus should be on the innumerable spiritual blessings and the character and redemption that we can have in Christ. So... That matter aside, I want to look into the prayer of Jabez with focus on what it tells us about the God that he prayed to. That ought to be our focus, not real estate. Consider first that what this tells us is God's definition of honor. In the American Heritage Dictionary, one entry for the word honor is principled uprightness of character. You don't hear as much about this in recent years, but at an earlier time in our society, there was something people called the honor system. A vendor might just put his products out for purchase, unattended. And they, there would be a box to put the money in. That was the honor system. In the academic setting, many years ago, probably not much today, a test might be administered without a monitor or a proctor. That was called the honor system. It is not encouraging that we don't hear much about that system anymore. What that was about was the expectation that people generally would act properly, even when their behavior was not being watched. Principled uprightness of character should be of such a nature, with such motivation and courage, that people do what is right because it is right, not just because they're being monitored. Now, <clears throat> with reference to God and God's Word, Honor is loaded into the pages of Scripture. And it's through our contact with Scripture that we are able to develop in our lives honor, principled 
uprightness of character. You are able to have principled uprightness of character when you rely on the highest possible source of honor and integrity, and that's God. You do what is right. You do what is right consistently as informed by Scripture, and you do it even when nobody is watching, either to criticize or to praise. You love and respect God with such depth, you are strengthened every time you respond to Him positively, even when it's tempting to do otherwise. That's the honor God defines in His Word. It is an uplifting and hopeful way to conduct yourself. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Uh, This is not a competitive statement, but a comparative statement. It shows this man to be one who had in his life consistently principled uprightness of character. We need to cultivate that, and we do it from God through His Word with Jesus Christ. We have His example and His teaching, His power to forgive us of sin and bring us into such a place with God that we are able to develop principled uprightness of character. Honor is not found in popularity. It's not found in worldly excitement. It's not found in wealth, in real estate, in carnal success, but in the simple trust and obedience God has defined and Christ has revealed. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. This verse speaks of God's capacity to respond to his people who honor him. Jabez didn't pray to an incapable or limited God. Prayer for this man was not just a psychological exercise to make him feel better. It was talking to his God. What the Bible says about prayer assumes and implies the capacity of God to hear and act upon our petitions according to His will. And this is why we are told in passages like James 5 and verse 16 that the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. Prayer avails much not because of the prayer and the inherent power in the prayer, but because of the one we're praying to through Jesus Christ, our mediator. Now, on our end of this, we must pray in faith, and that involves what James identifies in the two words, effective and fervent. We can be effective and fervent by faith. And that means we know, we are fully persuaded, God has the capacity to hear and act upon our petitions. When you study the, turn to Ephesians 3. When you study the prayers of the Bible, you will see in those petitions, every time, you will see the full and perfect capacity of God to respond to his people. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, listen to this. 
Paul said to the Ephesians, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, this next part. Now, to him who is able... To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I could never put together words to express any better than the Apostle Paul the capacity the power of God to respond to his people. Able to do above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. If your asking and your thinking is here, God is able to do much more than what we ask and think. Able to do, that's the phrase there. That's the capacity of God. We have every reason to believe Jabez had this confidence in God's power to hear and to answer. Notice what is said about God concerning his hand. God's hand. Jabez prayed, let your hand be with me. Let me take a little time here. To learn some good things about the hand of God. Throughout the Bible there are many references to the hand of God. And this is the kind of language where some common human physical feature or attribute is ascribed to God. And the purpose is to convey to us something important about God that we can understand. Because we have hands. And as these passages or references are studied, there are two prominent ideas that are featured. Provision and protection. God provides and God protects. And this is often said to be a function of the hand of God, figuratively speaking. For instance, protection is the meaning in Psalm 31.5 and Psalm 95.7. In 31.5, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. When you read that in Psalm 31.5, you may remember two occasions where that was spoken. David uttered these words, and who else? Jesus uttered these words. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. This is a matter of putting yourself completely into the hands of God for his protection. Likewise, in Psalm 95, 7, For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. 
And if you have the New King James, we are the sheep of his hand. That's the hand of the shepherd protecting us, a figurative expression. This is about God's protection of his people, something I made reference to this morning about God is the perfect father. Now the other concept that is captured by the figurative expression about the hand of God is provision. We hand somebody something they need. What we need, we can and should express to God knowing that his people are in his hand and his hand is extended to provide for us. I'm going to take you to 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 here in a moment. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. God's hand is extended to us. It says in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because in God there's not a closed fist. There's an open hand to provide for us. In 1 Peter 5, listen to 6 and 7. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So God has this hand of care that is extended to his people. The hand of God is where his humble, faithful people are right now. We are in his hand. You can think of it that way. And also his hand is open and extended to us. Jabez thought of that. And that for us is so much more valuable than money or land. God's answer to Jabez instructs us about his care for us. God granted him what he requested. I'm going to take you to 1 John 5 in a moment. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Here's one thing we can do with this thought. If I want God to grant my request in keeping with his will, I need to get focused on being honorable, keeping myself from evil, and not causing anybody pain. The character of this prayer is the character of the man. And God responds to this kind of person. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked of him. There's a single word there that we all are attracted to. Confidence. Who doesn't want confidence? It can be ours as God's people fervently and consistently pray to him. We will discover in that good experience that he hears us and whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. We know that his will is superior to ours, and he responds to our request. His answer may not be identical to our request. His answer may not be t 
timed as we perceive time, but the promise is he listens to his people, he answers according to his will. And thus it is that James recommends what we do in James 4.15, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. I remember something Jesus said as I close our study. He said, ask and it will be given to you. He said, seek and you will find. He said, knock and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. The prayer of Jabez is one of hundreds of of prayers we can read in the Bible. In each case, they tell us something about the prayers, but in each case, they tell us about God, our Father. We ought to be so thankful to Him, to Jesus Christ, our great mediator, that we have this marvelous access to the Creator. Let's be standing as we sing.